You probably know you need life insurance, but you worry you'll have to deal with long applications, expensive premiums, and medical exams. Introducing EthosLife.com. With Ethos Life, you can apply in minutes, 100% online. Ethos offers affordable life insurance policies from top-rated carriers with no medical exam. Now you can sleep easy at night knowing your family's financial future is protected. Visit EthosLife.com and get your free life insurance quote today. Ethos Technologies, Inc. operates in California as Ethos Life Insurance Services. Not available in all states and prices subject to underwriting and certain health questions. Hello, my friends. This is Andy at the Andy Falco Show coming to you live from Bray, California. I decided not to play um, my normal music coming in. It just didn't seem appropriate for some reason. Um, it was a very difficult discussion that we're going to have today, and I thought it was necessary. Um, if I'm going to come on and do uh, shows that are, uh, I think, I think, I hope they're interesting or they are current, uh, sometimes you just got to come on even with the most uncomfortable topic and uh and chat it out just a little bit and uh and again it, much of this coming from my perspective and although my assistant doesn't like it when i do this i sometimes have to lay out my history of what i've done in the past that way it makes sense um and gives a little bit of a foundation so that you understand i'm not just making stuff up and uh i didn't um you know read some blog or something to, to get my opinion that quite often my opinion has to do with my experiences in in life in law enforcement as an expert witness in use of force cases all over the united states and canada i've testified in federal court and state court in just about every state other than alaska and i'm sure there's a couple others i can't think of what they are but i think pretty much almost every state <laughs> that i i've been in uh and testified including hawaii so um it's important to kind of lay that foundation so i may have to do that from time to time what I want you to do, though, is I, I need you and want you to uh, comment. Just say something. Say hi, um, disagree with me, or um, support something that I may, may say, or you know, just uh, you know, give your opinion uh, on one matter or another. And um, I don't, I don't mind counter opinions at all. As a matter of fact, I look forward to them. So um, we're going to go ahead and, and jump into a couple things. Um, but I wanted to make sure and uh, talk about some sponsorships at some point. Uh, you know, we all need to get paid at, 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 at some point. So uh, I have uh, today's CBD oil. That is uh, my company uh, name for uh, the company of Vaseo. So I am a, a representative of a company called Vaseo that makes CBD one. It has liposum technology. Uh, Vaseo is one of the top 50 healthcare companies in the world and they make a great CBD product. And so if you are looking for a great CBD product that has one, that has one of the only uh, patented formulations with a delivery system, uh, actually getting the nutrients in your body of the CBD, then you wanna look to CBD one uh, by Vaseo. You'll get there by going to todayscbdoil.com. Um, Vaseo has some other products that are not CBD that are found on a separate website because of uh, the controversy sometimes found with CBD. And you want to go to the Viseo, uh, today's Viseo.com. That's where you get some great vitamins, V3 that I drink every day. I take core complete vitamins every day. I've never felt healthier and happier in my entire life. Uh, I used to have PTSD to you have no idea, you know, a, uh, anxiety attacks and depression, all that kind of stuff that were just killing me, plus pain and discomfort in my shoulder and my neck that 
coincidentally, I'm not saying it cured. I, I can't because I can't tell you that. I said coincidentally, since I've been taking CBD and taking all the other Viseo products, I have I literally have not felt uh, healthier in my entire life. And so, uh, those are the two main things I want to make sure and uh, share with you. That if you're looking for those kinds of products, then that's where you go. Todayscbdoil.com and todaysviseo.com. All right. So let's get to the subject matter. I'm going to say hi to a couple of people. Jerry Litt uh, had put a little post in there about that there's looting happening now uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, man, it's just a mess over there. Um, want to hear your perspective. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate that. And Susan Ordona, nice to see you. Man, she's killing it in the business and the book. If you want, uh, you need help writing a book, you uh, need to contact Susan Ordona. All right. Uh, all right. So let's uh, look at, uh, let's ask the first question. The first question on everybody's mind, it actually is the title of the uh, of the show, is that, well, kind of, uh, was George Floyd murdered by a racist cop? Now, um, before I answer that question, I have to talk about a few other things that are super important, I think, when we look at this question, because I don't know that it's that simple uh, of a question. There's a lot of other things that are going on right now that may or may not make this question, I don't want to say relevant. It is irrelevant. It is a relevant question. It's just that it makes it so tough uh, to answer. Uh, I, I obviously have to tell you that I, I'm not a, a uh, I'm not African-American, um, but I have been a police officer for 21 years. Uh, I've testified in court cases as an expert witness in use of force uh, cases uh, where Black uh, uh, Americans have been bitten by police dogs uh, and, um, and and whatnot, uh, 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 Hispanic, right, and Caucasian, right, and and I look at every case separately, and I and I don't I don't really look at it as a whether it's a white cop or a Mexican cop or a black cop in in as the the, the cop that's accused of maybe being too harsh with their use of force. Um, I, I don't, I don't look at it as a race thing. I mean, it, and I know, I, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, well, that's racist. I, I, I know I've heard the attacks, <laughs> but you got to really look at, there's a whole bunch of other things you got to look at because it isn't exact. It isn't simply what you see on a, a five minute video, a 10 second video, uh, a half hour video. It, it really, that video, which has, has very little audio. In this case, you could hear uh, 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 George saying that he couldn't breathe. Uh, and calling him sir, and you saw that, um, but that's, it, it can be deceptive. I'm not saying it is. I'm just telling you it can be deceptive, and I'm going to go through why you can't simply just answer that question, just say yes or no, as people have done, as the news media have done. That is one of my biggest issues with a lot of these things that they just fuel. They are one of the reasons why this gets fueled to such a, a high pitch that causes all the stuff that's going on over in um, Minnesota. And so I need to, and we need to talk about a few other things in relationship to this question. And I'll come back to this question. I promise you. All right. There's some other stuff happening in our world. Uh, you know, that's going on over the last three and a half years, almost, almost four years. And that is that, uh, as I've already heard it, I've heard it on five or six, um, new shows. And it really is the craziest thing that we've been given this narrative, that depending on what station you're listening to and paying attention to, that all of this racism that's occurring, all of this, ra this so-called racism that is occurring, again, I'm not saying anything about this case that I'm talking about right now, but the, the overall blanket statement that the racism in America is because of Donald Trump. And I, you know, it's like, going, I, I know people who know Donald Trump, maybe not directly. They, they sometimes know people that work for him. And the only thing that I always hear is that he's one of the nicest guys 
uh, that they've met for a guy that's a multimillionaire, billionaire, whatever he is, uh, who's also president, um, that he loves every, every race. He, he's, you know, he has a very way a very rough way of talking. That was, it's like my dad, it's like other cops that I work with. It's like, uh, people in the church that I, that I know that some people just talk in a way that rubs people the wrong way. That doesn't mean that they're racist. It doesn't mean they're misogynist. It doesn't mean they're xenophobes. It doesn't mean all these languages and all these are names, uh, that you call people to bring them down and to give them a title, which makes them look bad. Right. Uh, I have yet in any of the posts at Twitter or, or Facebook or wherever uh, I've, I've commented where, uh, to somebody's uh, claim that Donald Trump is racist. I, sh I, I tell show me the clip. Show me where it, he was racist, racist. Let me let me bring up. Oh, man, I got I got distracted and didn't bring this up. Hold on. I got to click on something first <laughs> and then I'll bring it up on the screen. I want to talk about. I want to, I want to talk about the definition of racism as it is in a dictionary. And I know that isn't how it's often used, but I'm going to bring up uh, the definition here and I just want to read it. Um, and you know, you could, you could still make the claim that you think Donald Trump is racist. I, I, I know that's a, a possibility, but as the, as I go through this definition here, racism, and this is from uh, dictionary.com and there, there's all kinds, right? I could go to any website and there'd be they're fairly similar. It doesn't matter where you go. But is it a belief or doctrine that inherent differences among the various human racial groups determine cultural and individual achievement, usually involving the idea that one's own race is superior and has the right to dominate others or that a particular racist racial group is inferior to the other? Uh, number two, a policy system of government, et cetera, based upon or fostering such a doctrine, discrimination, um, hatred or intolerance of another race or other races. All right. So with that in mind, I mean, that is a, that is a fairly clear statement that the person or the organization or the governmental body has to feel superior over other races. When, again, when I asked for people that said, send me the, the clip or the video or the audio or the writing of Donald Trump that shows that he's racist, they, they, they don't come up with that. They say, well, he, he doesn't like immigrants. He's never said, he, so he's, <laughs> his wife is an immigrant, for God's sake. <laughs> There's nothing that he's ever said that he's ever against immigrants. Now, illegal immigrants that have committed, committed crimes, yes, but it is the media and the, and the, and the liberals and, and this is an honest statement because this is the way that it works is that they give Donald Trump these titles so that they can get repeated over and over again so that you can demonize him to make him a horrible person. I, I, I just don't believe it. Can he say horrible things from time to time that it even makes me like, oh, yeah, Donald, why'd you say that? <laughs> Mr. President, I'm sorry. Why'd you say that? Right? Yes. But, I, I, but my point in, in, in saying all this is really what has happened is the media and the, and the liberal Democrats that are in leadership have created this racism narrative, not Donald Trump. Really, it is the truth because they're the ones who repeat it over and over again. They're the ones who write it in Twitter posts. They're the ones who write it in, in Facebook posts. And you'll see it, uh, it. Bernie Sanders, he cannot say anything about the president without saying that he's a racist, the most dangerous man on the planet, and whatever else he says. He says a whole bunch of things every time. He has no new statement. All right. So this is, is one of the bigger problems I think we need to address that is causing 
um, uh, you know, the explosion when we see something as horrible as what we saw with George uh, Floyd uh, with a white cop's knee on his neck. Okay, I mean, I, I'm trying to separate these two things because I'm going to get to that video and to what is going on about whether it's racist or not. Is it horrible? Yes. Did I, do I think the cop did the wrong thing? Based on what I see in the video so far, it looks horrible and he, and he did the wrong thing. All right. Can we say that it is racist? I'm going to I'm going to try to get to that answer that question, because, again, there's a lot more to it. Of course, there's a white cop and a black uh, man with a knee in his neck, um, on his neck that is handcuffed and appears to be not fighting. Yes, that for sure is what we see on the video. But the racist part is the thing that I'm trying to address. All right. So I, I hope that I've compartmentalized this and I've laid a foundation with both myself and what my experience is in and looking at these cases, hundreds of them, hundreds of these cases, I'm telling you, and testified in probably 100 or 200 cases on the stand in regard to very similar circumstances. And then we have what's the what the world is right now based on the narrative, not based on truth, because nobody's been able to show me yet where Donald Trump is racist. But the narrative in the world is that we've created this racist environment that anything that he says, anything that a Republican says is racist. I just got one the other day <laughs> that I posted on my Facebook page, right? Uh, and I'm called a racist. Uh, and that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm called a racist. I've been called a Nazi and I've, I've gone through all the names that I've been called, baby killer. Uh, I've been called all those things and I'm, I am none of those things, just so you know. All right, let me look at a couple comments here really quick and, and see what's going on. All right, let's see this. Uh, Neuron, and I can't say that. Sadly, always a small number of bad apples ruin it for others. I pray for my family and friends in law enforcement they, that they don't abuse the power they have. I pray for the safety of law enforcement officers every day and constantly. Um, I understand it's a difficult job, but law enforcement groups need to weed out the bad ones. Yes, I'm going to talk about that. That's a great statement, Neuron. Um, and again, I wish I could say your last name. I'm so sorry. All right, Mary, uh, it's not a race thing. It's a human thing. Very good. Hey, Julie, nice to see you. Oh, that's a nice new picture. That's a new picture of you. Four white cops and the other three watched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's your other problem, which I'm going to talk about too. All right, so very good. Thank you for uh, your comments. And I, and I would appreciate any more comments that you have on here. So uh, we've defined racism. I didn't put that up, but we've defined it based on the dictionary, right? Uh, I think it's loosely used that anything, if you say anything, like your hair is messed up and you're talking from one race to another. Now you're racist because your hair, you said there's their hair is messed up and they look bad. It really has gotten to that, that point. Again, I'm separating the video. I want to make sure I got to, I know I have to go back to that because people say, you're saying that, the, you know, this was not, you know, that he, he messed up his hair. No, I'm telling you, but it has gotten that way. The other day, uh, uh, President Trump was being questioned by uh, ob obviously an Asian woman about something and he said, well, it's China's fault and China you know, needs to do more and, 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 and explain why they, they did what they did. Why are you telling me this? Are you, you're, you're coming at me and now all of a sudden he was racist because he said it was China, but it was an Asian woman who asked the question. That it, we cannot be that sensitive in our world, right? You can't go to that level where it's so low, like the bar is so low to be racist uh, because it's gonna cause everything to be racist and, it, and it, it's gonna blow up. We're gonna have an explosion like we're having right now in Minnesota. Again, is it is it justified? I don't live in Minnesota. I, I haven't had to deal with those cops as a black man. I don't know, but I'm just telling you that when you start down here with it, it's just so low, the bar is so low for racism, it's bound to explode. 
because of the, what we've created as a, as a country that we allow the media to, con to control the narrative and reduce it down to such a meaningless word. It is a bad word. It's like when people call me Nazi. I take it serious. My dad fought in World War II. I visited the camps of Auschwitz. I've been there. I've seen them. I felt the death and felt the, the horror of what it feels like to be there. And this is like 40, 50, 60 years after, right, that I walked in there. You can still feel the death in there. That's a horrible situation. And to call me a Nazi, I think that that is a horrible thing. Um, and I'm still friends with these people that done, but I called them out and said, I am not a Nazi. And I, I think you're a horrible friend to lay that label on me as, as a Nazi, to say that to me, to put that label on me is, is a, just a horrible um, thing. But I understand that you're listening to this narrative and you've been giving this, this thought process that because somebody is Republican, they're Nazi, uh, that's, I, that's not your fault. Your, your mind may be a little bit weak, Right. You're you've you've decided that you're going to believe everything you hear and see. And that, that that's what's causing the problem. I don't unfriend them. I just love them. I pray for them. And hopefully through doing these videos, at some point they finally go, you know what? I, I may have gone too far. That would that was my hope. Uh, if it's ever going to happen, I don't know. Um, but there is a danger uh, with the liberals have created a in claiming everything is right. It's a danger. It is a real danger. Uh, and uh, I, there's, it's so difficult. And it, I just don't, I don't understand that that is your go-to thing. You, it's because you have no other argument, right? You have, you have nothing else that you go, okay, well, you know, he did do this positively. He did send these ships to New York and Cal he did. And, and we did see the curve come down and it wasn't as bad, you know, as there's not as many deaths as they claim. There's not too many deaths. There's only a hundred thousand deaths. I know only sounds bad, but I'm telling you it's not 2 million. Um, so, then he's racist. <laughs> right? It's like there's nothing else, right? And so you go to the racist thing, and it's it causes problems, and it goes on. All right, so let's get into that. The bigger problem may be video, and this is an argument. When I was a cop, it, video was just getting started. We didn't have him in our patrol cars. We didn't have our bodies, and I was so against it. And it's not because of what you think. I know that the thing is when I say this, when I talk about it. It's everywhere now. Every patrol car has them. Everybody, you know, everybody, uh, every officer has a body cam. Wow, he almost couldn't get that out. And so it is out and is there. But I think it's a problem. It's not always a good thing. Quite often, it's it's off. It's better for the cop sometimes that they have video and they go, "Oh, thank God I have video because I didn't say what the guy's saying." I said I didn't do what the guy's saying. I did, and I have it on video and it shows. But you have the phones that, that have cameras that take a, a particular angle in a, in a video and only a certain part of it, and that kind of stuff. And it creates, it has created problems. And it has created problems for some of the officers that I've um, gone against uh, in, in court. And uh, it, it but it may be the video. There's something about having that video out there that is, has reduced law enforcement to a point where it's very, very hard to work. And has, has it made things better? I don't know. Uh, it may it may have, but it's also made police work very, very difficult. I have to tell you, and this is the only reason I put this here, because I want to make sure and remember to tell you that sometimes police work is not pretty. It is not pretty. We love it when we see it on television, right, in a movie, when the cop, you know, tackles the bad guy and gives him an elbow to the head. Every cheers. Yay. Yes. Fantastic. Right. Everybody loves it when the good guy wins. And sometimes the bad guy gets hurt and gets bloodied up, right? Everybody's happy about that on a, on a TV show, but God forbid you see that in for real, because now the cop is a um, a horrible person 
uh, for doing what they did. If it's a it's if it's a white cop on a white child molester, I think everybody usually is okay with that. <laughs> right? It's not that big of a deal, uh, and uh, and most of us are okay with that. But once we have these racists get, kind of get involved, right? When we have the white cop and the black suspect or the black suspect and the white cop things the dynamics change and it makes it a little bit more difficult and people go hmm did he do that because of the race right the race always kind kind of comes in same thing with hispanic uh and white officers and that kind of stuff I, my last name's Jimenez, uh, and I was called a racist. I can't tell you how many times as a cop because I was arresting somebody, uh, and we're going to get into that just a little bit. But the video, and I just want to stick on the video point, is that the video uh, can be deceptive. I'm telling you, it can be deceptive. Again, now, now I'm going to talk about this video. I'm not going to play the video because it's playing everywhere, and it's just it, you've seen it, right? You've seen the cop with a handcuffed suspect next to the patrol car, right next to the tire, and he's got his full body weight in his knee in the side of his neck and the uh and um uh george floyd is is trying to get it out but you can hear the struggling to breathe he said i can't breathe you're going to kill me and it is it is very difficult and we have a video shot from the rear of the patrol car shooting towards where you can only see the uh, the head and neck and part of the, the the top of his body and the rest of it you can't see with the assumption is that he is handcuffed because of the way he's laying down uh and uh, i think the statements are that he was handcuffed uh but i'm gonna just tell you this there's a big but not that it makes it okay that what he did and i know that i'm always having a massage around these statements is that we don't see what happened prior right? We see an earlier video where they're talking on the sidewalk and I it looks like he's being cooperative. The next video I've seen, and there's maybe others that are, will be out there and they'll begin to show them. But the next thing you see is they, that, that one ends of them, them standing on the sidewalk. And then suddenly you see this thing where they're on the side of, on the ground, the suspects on the ground and the officers kneeing on his neck. And so what happened between then and, and then, right? There's also a lot of stuff happening around them that, that we're not seeing, which causes officers stress and worry and concern. I have made arrests uh, with a, so we have a, a Mexican area in, um, uh, uh, you know, it's a Hispanic, South American, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to call that area, but it is primary Hispanic because they called it uh, little TJ. It was what they called it. We didn't call it little TJ. They called it little TJ. You'd, you'd stop somebody on the street where you live. Well, I live in little TJ. Uh, and it was like going to Tijuana, right? You drive into this neighborhood and then suddenly it was really like you drove into a neighborhood in, in Tijuana, right? You just, you know, burnt out cars laying around, uh, couches in the alley, chairs, you know, in the middle of the street <laughs> and, it was, and then graffiti everywhere, you know, back in the day, it was a lot worse than it is now, but it was one of those things you turn the corner and it would not be unusual to see a car upside down in the middle of the street. Same thing with another area called Chevy Chase. These two areas were just known as high crime areas and that kind of stuff. And primary Hispanic, you can say, Matt, whatever you want to call it, all right? Whatever, whatever the, the but it was Hispanic uh, community. Uh, and that was one of my beats. And so every call just about in my entire night involved a Hispanic. And so then we would be say, what are you picking on us? Uh, uh, you're picking on me because I'm Mexican. Well, no, <laughs> you're a drug dealer in a Mexican area and that's what I have. I'm not, I'm picking on you because you are a drug dealer <laughs> and that's all we have. But you'd get a call and you, the call would be uh, robbery just occurred at this area. Uh, and the suspect is a male Hispanic blue jeans and a white t-shirt and a black belt with a silver buckle. That was the description in his twenties. Right. And now we're suddenly racist because we're looking for a male Hispanic with blue jeans on white t-shirt, a black belt and a silver 
uh, belt buckle, uh, which, you know, 75% of the male Hispanics in that area wore, <laughs> wore the same thing. And so it is very difficult, right? When you're being called racist, you they go, I'm not right. This is, this is, this is what I'm, this is where I work. I work in a primary Hispanic area. Same thing happens on the West end of Anaheim where there is a, a large African-American uh, population that you're dealing mostly with African-Americans, right? Uh, then you're downtown Anaheim, mostly Hispanics. Uh, and sometimes out in the West end or the South end of Anaheim, you've got uh, some Asian populations and that kind of stuff. That's just the way it is. So working in these areas, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring this down, um, is um, what you need to know about being a police officer that we often work in areas where we are the only kind of white person. I'm, I'm half white, I Caucasian, half, not even half uh, Hispanic. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of like 30%. I forgot what it was. I got one of those DNA things done. Um, but, um, but my last name is Jimenez. My family says Jimenez, by the way, they've said Jimenez my entire life. So I had to learn how to say Jimenez because I never knew it to be Jimenez and never said it to be Jimenez until later on in life. And so I had to begin to say Jimenez uh, but I would often forget and say Jimenez. So very uh, difficult working in these areas because I didn't speak Spanish. Uh, I was a, uh, um, a, a essentially a white guy uh, working in these areas and being called racist. And it's not that easy um, uh, because you are being called uh, names all the time because you're spending a lot of time in those areas. They write your badge number on the wall. Uh, and when they do that, then that's kind of a hit. Anybody that kills you with that badge number, um, it gets um, uh, rewarded in, in the communities that you work in these areas. And so once your badge number is written on a wall, that could be a sign that you've got to watch your, watch yourself because they're going to be after you and, and take you out. And so going in those areas every day, work in those areas, you can, and this is, I'm going to get to my final point. You can get a little insensitive to that area of people, not the race itself. Right. When you go in that area, you're you're hit with so much stuff. They throw rocks at you and bottles and and, and, and you just do it and you just live knowing that that's going to happen. And so usually going with two or three officers. But you have to know that when these officers, especially when they're of the opposite race, whites in a primary black neighborhood, uh, whites in a primary Hispanic neighborhood, it can be touch and go. Now, it really is important for the cop to do the best job possible to. Um, endear himself to the people in that community. And that is possible, but not many cops have a, a, a do really well at that. I just so happened that I was able to do it. I think in most cases, I was able to come in for the people that knew me, knew I was a, a decent dude who, who uh, gave people a chance and was not heavy handed and give people a break. When you pull them over for a traffic violation, you let them go. And so there's a way as you begin to, um, uh, become a part of a community as the law enforcement officer for that community that you need to be cognizant of what, how people feel about you and what it is you're doing to cause people to think you're racist or to think that you are heavy handed just because of their, their race. And so there, there, there's where, um, some, some police officers fail and others succeed. All right. So we don't know back to our video, what this officer's history is in this neighborhood. Uh, they, you know, it, it, he could be, he could be one of those officers that gets so tired of working in a neighborhood like that and looks at everybody as a criminal in that area. And you're starting to get in the area of, of, of not only um, lack of tolerance 
for that community, but you are getting in the area of being racist. It can make you racist when you work in an area like that where you're getting nothing but assaulted by the other race every day that you work. Uh, we work uh, you know, 12 to 14 hour shifts and you're spending that many hours primarily working in an area where you are looked at as an evil, horrible person every time you go in there and it's difficult and not easy. And that is your job on a daily basis. I'm not saying that that's right. Okay, because I'm going to get to the second part here in just one second. I'm just telling you that it builds up over time. And then when you get pushed and when you get spit on, when you get elbowed, when you're trying to arrest somebody, it causes you to lose your cool. Um, and it's it, it, it could be based on race. It could be based on this is like you've had it. I've had it with these people in this community throwing shit at me, stuff at me, um, spitting on me. And uh, this guy pissed me off. And now this is. I, I just went a little too far and he, and he died. Uh, and I, and I use that as an example, not saying that he just did this thing. No, I'm not saying that it's a horrible thing that this guy died, but you can get pushed over days and days and days. This didn't just happen like out of the blue, right? This is days and days and days, five years, six years, 10 years, 20 years working in the same area. It begins to get very difficult. All right, let me get to some of these comments and see where we're at now, because I, I'm, I'm feeling that I could be losing some of you. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, no. Ooh, wow. There's a lot of comments <laughs> yet yeah, when I, uh, so let's see where we're at here. All right. Yes. When I'm uh, denied a job because I'm a 64 year old white guy, it's never a problem. <laughs> right. All right. It's really too bad. We go to Min Minneapolis quite often. Yeah. No matter what happened before the recording, if it was, uh, your family member, uh, with a knee, uh, on their neck, would it be okay? Uh, no, I don't know what that has to do with anything. Um, but okay. Um, the whole thing was uh, messed up. No one should be treated like that. Don't care about race. Right. Okay. Uh, no, I'm not sure what no is. Uh, it's awful. Uh, that it's, uh, that it, that is not okay. Okay. Right. It's okay to say shit is. Okay, thanks. <laughs> All right. All right. So I've laid out that offended. You have an officers. Okay, this is, I'm not done with this yet. And so you have officers that are coming in. They're working these these high uh, crime areas that uh, quite often have a, a large uh, community, either black or Hispanic. This is just the way that our community is. It just I'm telling you as a police officer, when we go to the city uh, that you work, you have communities of Hispanics, of Asians, of, of blacks, of whites, and then uh, we have uh, Anaheim Hills, which is full of rich people that we quite often had even uh, more horrific crimes. The richer you get, the more horrific the crimes, the more horrific the murder, strangely enough, where at least in the, you know, just these other areas, you just have simple stabbings and shootings. They were just easy. Over there, you would have these weird, these weird crimes where body parts would be, you know, cut off and um, uh, people would be... Um, pushed in front of trains and weird stuff. It was just, you know, it was like just different. Like, wow, this, you know, rich people kill each other differently than, you know, at least in these areas, they just simply shoot you or stab you or, or, you know, uh, or hit you over the head with a brick. That, that's kind of, it was just simple, right? Simple crimes. All right. So, um, so did the officer snap? Uh, it, it's possible. And the only reason I wanted to bring that up is because it is possible that whatever was going on in the day, again, I don't know what these comments are that it makes it okay. I never said it's okay. And that's, see how it is. You see, <laughs> that was my point earlier when I was saying, okay, you have to make sure, I have to make sure and try to separate when I'm talking about a statement that I'm not talking about this video. Uh, it's so silly for people that they're so sensitive.
uh, that you take, you know, they're just waiting. These are the guys that are, uh, you know, interviewing Trump uh, is that they're just trying to keep asking questions and they just wait for him to say something that they, oh, I think he was being racist there and they jump all over it. It doesn't make it okay. I never said it was going to be okay. Listen, you got the video. You see the knee on the thing. I'm telling you, I'm trying to lay a foundation. This is what we do in court. We lay a foundation so that we get to the end result, which I'm going to answer the question at the end. So calm down. All right. So did the officer snap? There's a lot of things that go on during a day. Again, you have officers that are human beings, right? We want to, we want to say that on this day, you know, this officer was having a perfect day and he ate well, um, he went to the gym and worked out and worked out some of the frustrations that he may be having in his life. And he went to work just as happy as a lark. Um, he's a racist, though. All right. Remember, he's a racist. And then he went out there looking for a black man to kill. All right. That's that is what racism would actually be. That you have a, a white guy who's waiting for the opportunity to destroy some black person's life. And so this is what. Uh, uh, you know, th that I see when somebody says, was this guy racist, that he was looking for the opportunity to kill a black man or to uh, punish a black man because of their differences in race. Um, I don't, I don't know. Right? I don't know the guy. How, how is it you can answer these questions that people say he's racist. He went there to murder the black guy. And so he should be in jail. Murder means that he went there intending to kill a human life, right? That's what murder is that you have a uh, a prior thought that you're going to go there and kill somebody. And that is what murder is. And so people are saying he should be arrested for murder. Okay. Was, did he go there? Did he, did he wake up that morning, go to that place, intentionally look for somebody that was committing a fraud? I think it was, that was the original call was some type of um, uh, fraud that was being committed. And then his intention was to kill the man. The intent was to kill him. I, I don't see that, right? I don't see that yet. Right. Did he write a dossier? Did he write something at a time today? I'm going to kill a black man and I'm going to go to work and I'm going to find one. I'm going to kill. Um, I don't care how, you know, if I don't care if it's for a parking ticket, I don't care if it's for robbery. Um, I don't, I'm going to go there and I'm going to kill somebody. That's what murder is. Right. The intention of, of killing somebody. Now, did he snap and commit manslaughter? I, I think that's a high possibility based on him not getting off his neck for such a long period of time. It makes no sense based on the angle that I saw. And based on what very little information I have leading up to this point, it makes no sense based on the little information that I have at this point of why he thought it was okay to have his knee on the back of his neck and hear the guy say, I can't breathe. And not only him, nor the officers that were around him, the other three officers that did nothing to say, hey, uh, Jim Bob, um, you need to get off his neck. The guy can't breathe. Right? Nobody thought that that was necessary. Again, there's a lot of activity going around outside and it's very loud. Did the other officers not hear the guy? I don't know. These are things that need to be answered for us to make a, a, um, a decision whether uh, this officer uh, you know, committed some type of manslaughter, uh, used his uh, knee to purposefully kill him, which is, again, that's going to be very hard to prove, uh, and that the uh, other three officers... Um, uh, you know, uh, you know, helped him do it, right? These are very, very difficult questions in a court of law. And I'm going to come to reason why I think this is important for you to know also. All right. So did he commit murder? I don't think so. Manslaughter, maybe. Um, and did the other three officers help him? I, I don't know. I don't know what they heard. We don't know what they saw from the, the position they were in, but none of them stopped him. We know that for sure. And so maybe did they deserve to be fired? I'm going to tell you that there's a good chance that some of these cops can get their jobs back just so you know, and it's going to cause a greater uproar. I'm just going to tell you right now, 
that there's a chance that some of these officers get their job back and it's going to cause more problems than if they would have waited and got in more information before they did that. All right. So uh, last thing here, another uh, problem is the, uh, is the reduced requirements to become a police officer. So here is what somebody I think brought up in one of the comments is that, uh, you know, over the years, at least my experience is, I'm not sure if they brought them back because I haven't, I haven't been through a testing or helped anybody go through testing. I've not heard, but as I was a police officer coming through, it was very difficult to get hired. I mean, it was nearly impossible. Uh, I mean, you couldn't smoke pot. You couldn't do, you can be around drugs. You had to have a, um, a very clean background. You went through a psychiatrist, uh, you know, uh, you know, testing to test your psych. Um, you had, I went through three polygraphs. Uh, with the same department <laughs> because they didn't believe me that, that I told the truth the first time they believed me the sec second time and they go, okay, well, I guess he's telling the truth. Um, and so I went through three polygraphs um, and uh, it was, it was horrific. It was a, a very long, arduous uh, way of getting hired. And then you had to go through the Academy and you had to do everything. You, we would wake up, uh, I'd wake up at four o'clock in the morning, go to the academy all day, and we wouldn't get out of the academy sometimes till nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. Then we'd have four reports we'd have to write and be back uh, in the academy back by six o'clock a.m. We'd sleep an hour, uh, and this went on for six months, right? And so it was very, very difficult. People didn't graduate. We started with 50, graduated with 30, I think. Um, and it was very difficult to become a cop. You had to go through a lot. They put you through hell uh, to become, uh, to get through the academy. And then you go through uh, 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 you know, a field training officer where you're with five, four or five, I can't remember now, maybe four different officers who evaluate you every day. Uh, and then if you mess up at all, they can fire you. And then you have a year of probation that you do anything wrong, then you get fired. Right? You can get fired in that first year. After that year, it's much harder to get fired. You have to do something really, really bad in order to get fired. So all that process, it's, a, it's about a year, uh, a little bit over a year that when you get hired to your off probation, that you can get fired for anything. And it was hard, right, to stay on the job. Many people did not make it. I happen to make it, right? And so that's the way it used to be. Then as I became an instructor at the academy, it was like going to a summer camp. <laughs> what? Like what happened to the yelling? Oh, we can't yell at people anymore. What do you mean you can't yell at people anymore? No, we can't call them names. We can't say anything to them. We, it's, it's like school. They got to come in and go to school. What? Uh, and then, yeah, the women have a four foot wall they have to go over, whatever it was, five foot wall, maybe higher. If any woman cop who, who's on here, uh, you know, you may be saying, well, no, it was. No, I'm telling you, at least the academy, they had one wall for the women, one wall for the men. And I go, well, that's not how it works on the street. The wall doesn't lower because it's a female guy. It stays at that six foot height. Right? You know that, right? And they still have to wear all the stuff, right? The belt, the uh, the, the chest protector, I mean, the bullet protector uh, and all the other stuff, bullet protector, uh, the bulletproof vest, um, resistant vest, I'm sorry. Uh, and then all the other stuff that we have to carry, right? Um, but they reduced the requirements. It was much easier to get hired. They had to hire a certain amount of people from different demographics and they had to lower uh, the, the testing uh, so that more people could pass because people were having difficulty passing. Um, and it just became uh, a place where people would be able to be cops. And that's, uh, you know, one of the, I think one of the problems I've seen it all over the United States. Uh, again, I've testified in other States and other countries and you see an officer on the stand who can't put together a sentence, literally cannot put together a sentence. He's asked a question. So officer, uh, what can you explain to us what was going on? You know, uh, as you respond to this call, um, well, you want me to start from when I got in the patrol patrol car? Well, when you got the call, what, what when you got the call, what did you do? Well, I drove uh, to the call. 
Okay. <laughs> what happened? Literally, I'm sitting there listening to testimony. I go, frick. And then you have to read the reports, right? You read the reports. It, it, they look like my you know, Facebook postings, right? You go, really? Nobody reviewed this? Because what happens is a law enforcement, you write the report and you give it to a sergeant who also reads it. And then he tells you, hey, you have all these errors. You need to go fix them. He fixes them and he gets, comes back. And it, uh, proceeds. so there's two people that have to read that report before it gets signed and then gets to the detective and then ends up in the courtroom. And I'm reading this thing like, who, who did my four-year-old son write this thing? It, it makes no sense. You, that every, you, you got all kind of grammar, grammatical problems. Gram like I can't even say the word. You don't have uh, words are misspelled. And then you can see him on the stand and you just say to yourself, how did he get hired as a police officer? And so you're going to say to me, well, does he have to speak English? And, and does he have to be able to write the English language in order to be a cop, I, to be a good cop? Well, maybe not. <laughs> but it, it kind of tells you that that standard uh, should have been upheld, right? Uh, and it, it can be a little bit more difficult. So I'm telling you that in these states, uh, not necessarily always California, but in these states, the hiring standards have been greatly reduced. Now, education may be increased, right? Sometimes now you have to come in with a bachelor's degree and that kind of stuff to get hired with certain departments. That's in California, but it's not across the board in other states. It's not. Uh, there's some cities like, you know, in states where, you know, their hiring requirements are higher in the sense of education, but that doesn't mean you have the smarts to work the street and know what to do when you're being shot at or being punched or having stuff thrown at you um, and being spit on while you're trying to make an arrest or you're getting elbowed when you're trying to make, arrest somebody. And uh, that there's a lot more to it than just being able to write a report. All right, so that uh, that can be uh, an issue. The hiring and training standards are definitely not what they used to be uh, and should be. Thank you, Amy. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, this is not a secret. And I know that some people that are cops now are going, no, yeah, I'm telling you. I've worked in the academy for many, many years. I've taught in the police academy and I, and I listened to the testimony of many an officer who just are is really as dumb as rocks, literally as dumb as rocks. And I'm not, I'm just telling you, that is just the way it is. So that is uh, another problem. All right. So, and I know this may be more than what you wanted to get out of this. You just want to know if it's racist or not, but I'm telling you, there's other problems that we're having to deal with. It's not maybe necessarily just race. We have some stupid cops out there that cannot make a decision and they should not be on the street. That, that is, I think, some of the bigger issues that we're having right now is that we have so many problems happening because we have officers that should not be on the street and they should not be working and put in these positions to make a decision whether they should be kneeling on some guy's neck or not, that it may not be related to race. It may be related to the stupidity of the police officer. The next thing I wanna talk about really quick is that there's a, lack, there's a problem with lack of supervision. This is one of the areas that I hit most when I'm investigating wrongdoing by a police officer is that where is the supervisor? What is the supervision? Way, what, this is not, the, in, like in any case, like even in you as a driver, um, I would I would bet that many of you watching right now have sped more than once, have rolled through a red light more than once, have accidentally run a red light more than once, right? Or done something even more, but you've never been caught. You've never been caught. And so what happens is you begin to now roll through a couple more stop signs because really, you know, who's watching? I'm riding in the diamond lane all the time with only one person. I just I never get caught. You know, when I finally get caught, it'll make up for all the 10 or 15 times that I've been in the diamond lane, right? And that's the way the thing is. As law enforcement officers, if you are not supervising these men and women 
on a daily basis that are going to work and dealing with this stuff all the time and, 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 and being challenged by the ability to do the job well, because sometimes they just simply want to shortcut it. That's one of the biggest problems that are happening now. And they begin to handle people a lot more rough because they're getting tired of dealing with the same people every freaking day who commit the same crimes every day, especially with domestic violence. You're going to the same homes all the time. And the woman will not leave and she keeps going back to her husband and she gets beat for the 10th time and you've taken the guy to jail and you're tired of taking this guy to jail and you're tired of the criminal system letting him out, right? And it gets frustrating and you're going back and forth every time um, and, you're in, and, 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 there's, and there is a problem that's going to appear if you don't have supervision who's keeping an eye on, the, on their police officers and checking on them and seeing how they're doing. I've worked for a supervision who did not care who lived in the city, who uh, when they would go into service, they would go home and hang out and wait to be called because most supervisors at the time that I was a cop only showed up at calls if you asked them to or you really, really needed them to be there. They were more or less kind of out there and really tried not to be involved in anything because once you made sergeant, it was great to be able to go home, spend most of the time at home, hanging out, watching television, uh, especially if you lived in the city, uh, until you're really needed. That's just really how life was. We all knew it. It wasn't that big of a deal. Um, and then on occasion, you'd get a homicide or something like that. And they say, you know what? I need a supervisor here because I need to decide whether to um, uh, rope off two blocks or whatever. I had homicides where a supervisor never showed up. That is unheard of today. <laughs> but you have supervision that's not keeping an eye on their patrol officers identifying problems as they are arising and pulling them off the street when they need to be pulled off the street. This, this thing that you see on this video that I'm not playing, I'm telling you, it's not the first time that's happened with this police officer. I can guarantee it. There may not be a video of the other times. There may not be a report from anybody that filed a complaint because sometimes you go file a complaint and it never makes it anywhere, right? It just gets thrown in the trash. But this isn't the first time. And there's, an, uh, there's a supervisor who knows. There's a supervisor who knows that this guy had a propensity, possibly, of doing crap like this on a regular basis. Maybe not as bad, maybe not to where somebody died, but on this moment, the guy died. And if a supervisor would have been supervising this officer and being aware of what was going on with him, with his, with his uh, home life, right? Asking him, hey, how's your home life? Oh, I'm going through a divorce. It's not good. One of my kids is sick and we're not sure if he's going to make it. Um, uh, you know, somebody died recently. Uh, oh, I'm having an issue with this other officer in my beat and we're get at it all the time. We hate each other. We hate it when the other guy shows up on my calls. It's miserable. Um, he's a jerk. He, he, he often causes problems when he's on calls. Um, and so these are the things supervisors are in charge of. Contacting the officer, say, hey, I've noticed you've had a couple of use of force um, reports that you've had to fill out lately. It seems like uh, that's a lot of use of, you know, normally you don't have use of force um, calls or incidents. Um, what's going on, right? Asking these questions and identifying and saying, you know, let's pull you off the street for a couple days, go visit the, the department uh, psychologist and just, let's just see if there's an issue. I know that you're maybe offended that I'm telling you you need to do that, but this is kind of the protocol that needs to be happened. Lack of supervision is one of the biggest problems for some of these things that happen. In the cases that I had, that's one of the first things I identify. Where was the supervisor when all this stuff was happening? Because we often get a backlog of other stuff that's in this officer's history and say, where, at what point did they not think it would, it would have been appropriate to to pull this guy off the street. <laughs> well, there, there's like this incident. You can see that this, you can, 
and this guy was still working to be able to do this, what he did on this day, that is a, that is a problem. That is lack of supervision. And so we have uh, something we need to look at there. All right. So, oh my gosh. And I'm, I'm hope I'm making sense. I hope I'm making sense in all this. I hope that you're understanding where I'm coming from because I want to, I'm trying to address the thing, whether this is racist or not. And that is the important thing because when we call something racist, it makes it much bigger and it gets more people out of their homes and rioting in a place like Minneapolis and throwing stuff. And it gets dangerous and it gets horrible because the media is fueling the racist narrative that we have a lot of other stuff that this could be. It's not always race just because it's a white guy and a black suspect. I know the history. I know what happens in law. I know the Rodney King thing. I spent a week in Los Angeles during the fires of the Rodney King riots battling for my life along with firemen and other people for a week. We didn't get a day off. We were sleeping in our patrol cars and we were, we were, we were protecting the firemen to keep them safe as they were trying to put all these fires that were going on. I know what racism looks like. I know what happens when a, when a man, a black man is beat by white cops. I understand. I know. I'm not telling you that it's not racist. I'm telling you that it may not be racist and you got to not call it racist until we know. That, that is the point because we have lack of supervision, lack of training. Um, we have cops that have bad days. We have cops that are working in these areas day after day after day without a break, without a supervisor steps in and go, hey, how are you doing? I, I've noticed that you've had a lot of this stuff going on where you've had to file use of force reports. Because anytime you use force, like a, a taser, uh, uh, your flashlight to hit somebody, uh, I was going to say uh, uh, Billy Billy Club, they, they don't really carry those much anymore, but they have other stuff, right? Um, uh, and when you use those, you have to file a separate report in most departments. It's called a use of force report. And so if an officer goes for two, three years without use of force, and all of a sudden, has, bam, has one, and then has another one, and then has another one, that really is a clear sign that he's going to the use of force much faster than he probably should, instead of going to this. These two things right here are powerful. These two lips right here. So powerful. I stayed out of so many fights because I was not that big. I'm a, a five, nine. And I'm looking over at my uniform because it's really my uniform hanging on the wall. My uh, When I wore that uniform, I was 175 pounds. Um, I, I'm five, nine. And I was a cop. My mouth was a very powerful tool. It was the strongest part of my body. <laughs> and I was able to avoid a lot of shenanigans, a lot of fights because I was able to talk to guys and look at them and say, okay, listen, I know that you can kill me. Uh, and with your bare hands, but I will not let that happen. As a matter of fact, my, my friends and you know, that I'm working with, they're not gonna let it happen. And as a matter, even if you kill me, they, when they find you, they may kill you. So, uh, instead of going through all that, because that's going to really ruin both of our days, let's, let's talk about how we're going to get these handcuffs on you and, and take you to jail, get you interviewed, figure out what really happened here. And maybe we can figure out something to get you, uh, out on bail or maybe reduce the sentence and that kind of, because either way you're going to jail. Right. So I, I would have this way <laughs> people say, let's not do this because it's going to be bad. All right. All right. I'm sure. Uh, Oh, thank you, Martin. Uh, appreciate that. Oh, there's a mask. Those masks are so funny to see. Sometimes it's as nice as the woman. I know. Trust me. I know. All right. So let's see. I, mean, I did hear earlier today that the officer had been reprimanded uh, two times previously for using excessive force. I have not heard that, but I'm, I, I'm telling you, this is not the first time. It, it really, thank you for uh, sharing that, Amy, because I'm telling you, then what? Then what? What more do you need? Was, was it all excessive force on black people? If it's all excessive force and it's only on black people, we're getting closer to being able to call this a racist attack on a black man because he has a history. I'm not saying he does. Okay, I'm just saying that if 
those uh, previous excessive force. Again, if it's if it's three, the, the two previously in this one, then it's probably 10. All right. Because not all of them do, do the victims of his uh, excessive force go and report it very rarely. I, I would say it's more rare, even in today's world, that a victim of a officer's excessive force does anything about it. Um, it, it I would say that it's fewer uh, uh, than it is more. All right. And so uh, thank you, Amy, for sharing that, because, again, I, I just want to share that. Where is the supervisor? Why is he still working in the streets and put in this position to where this can happen? Why is he in the area that's causing a problem? I had a friend and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to answer that question, uh, you know, one more time. I, I think I've answered it uh, for you. But uh, I had a friend who he's told he told me this as a police officer in another city uh, uh, here in Southern California, who told me that he could not go on calls that involved black people. This is his words to me that they it, they physically made him sick. This is his words to me, All right? Not Mexicans, he was fine with them. Not Asians, he was fine with them. Not other white people, fine with them. But anytime he went to a call where there were black people, he got physically sick. And then after the call, sometimes he would have to throw up. That was what he told me, right? I was a you know 24 year old, 23 year old police officer, 24, I think when he, when he was telling me this. Um, and I was dumbfounded, like, well, then what do you do? He goes, I just try to work the Mexican areas. <laughs> and at the time, you know, and I, and I was still trying to figure things out. Like, well, who do I tell? What do I, you know, that, that, that you could have, if he would have killed a black person, if they found out that I knew what he told me, then I, I probably would have been liable for something that he had done because I knew and I could have stopped it, right? I could have said something as a 24 year old cop. And I, and I think about that often when these things come up, I think about, gosh, I knew this guy, I'm not gonna say his name, but I knew this guy, this is a real story who told me that he physically got ill and sometimes he would lose it. Like he would, he would black out. He couldn't remember uh, what would happen on the call. So it was difficult for him to write reports. So he went to a supervision and said, hey, uh, I can't go to black areas. I can only go to Mexican areas and you have to make sure that I don't get calls to go to black areas. And he, he continued to work. You can't guarantee that you're not gonna run into a black person as a police officer. You can't guarantee that. And where, and I go, and he never, it, it took a while, but eventually he uh, re got retired on stress. Some other stuff happened and he got retired on stress and then began to do some other business. Um, but that, that is a problem. Now, is that racist? I don't know. It's trauma. Is it right? No, it's not right. But why is he still working? That, that's the bigger question. Is he racist? I think he was. I think later on, because of it, he really was racist uh, because he would say things that was clearly what a racist would say, right? But it, it was a result of what? I don't know. I don't know. But that's that. there's where he has told the supervision that he can't go on calls with that, and yet they still allowed him to work. Do you see my point here? That is a problem. It's not just this cop's fault. We need. It's not just those other three officers are there. There's supervision that are responsible for this too. The hiring process, the supervision when this was happening, and what ended up happening on that day. It could have been avoided uh, if there was two previous incidents of excessive use of force. And when we use excessive use of force, that's meaning that he was uh, probably disciplined, if that is the case. Just because of use of force doesn't mean he was wrong. Like we use force, I've shot at people, I've been shot at, I've uh, had to tackle people. I've, my dog bit 70, nearly 80 people uh, in the course of his career, um, uh, bit them with his teeth uh, and injured them very seriously. There's a felony suspects. Um, that's all use of force. 
None of it was ever excessive force. I did get accused of excessive force and found myself in, in federal court. And the case uh, ended up just being dropped because there was no there was there's no excessive force. But uh, when you get into the area of excessive force, that means you've been either disciplined or you've gone to court and been exonerated or something has happened. And so if there's two previous incidents of excessive force, we need to look at that and, and find out where they on black people. Right? Whether were they only on uh, African Americans, uh, and again, this is where you think uh, this guy uh, through you know should have gone to a psychiatrist, should have been uh, handled differently, and not put back on the street. There's where our issue is. So uh, to answer that question, uh, as um, as I promised towards the end here, uh, so once again, was George Floyd murdered by a racist cop? Right now, I can tell you that nobody knows. I'm, I'm telling you, nobody knows. Is, is it okay? No. Is it okay that he kneeled on that guy's neck and, and uh, you know, on George Floyd's uh, neck and killed him? It is not okay. Um, I, I worry that the black leadership in the media have right away said it's racist. I know that they it, it, they can't help it. I know that it's kind of one of those things when you see a white cop on a on a black person's neck that it right away goes to racism. But again, that's adding fuel. Uh, to what is happening in uh, Minneapolis right now, it would be, be better and it's not going to happen, but it would be better to say, Hey, like, we don't know if this is racist yet. I know what it looks like, but we don't know until we know more information. This just happened. We don't have all the other camera angles and we need to look at all the information. Does it look bad? It looks horrible. Is this cop probably guilty for manslaughter? I would say probably. And he's probably going to go to trial all the evidence is going to have to be looked at. Everything is going to need to be gone through with a, a fine tooth comb. And you got to be very careful with these things. I'm telling you, because if he's not found guilty uh, and the evidence is that he's guilty, we're going to have bigger problems. The problem with saying it's racist now and saying that he's absolutely a murderer, um, you're really going to have problems if it's found out that there was a I don't know that I'm not telling you there was a reason. All right. Now, don't go crazy on the comments. Don't go crazy. I'm not telling you there was a reason. I'm saying if, if there's a slight chance there was some reason why he was on his neck for so long and ignored his pleas for help, you know, let me breathe. And now they have to give him his job back. We got, you got big problems over there in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It is going to be like Rodney King. I, I can tell you, but we're setting ourselves up. Right. By not knowing because we're calling it murder, racism and a whole bunch of other things and firing cops before we even know. Not all the information is out yet. And they're already firing the cops. Was it the right thing to do? I don't know. I think there's other ways of handling it. I, and I'm and I and I I'm going to kind of I'm going to stop there because there's other things that can be done. You can bring the officers in. You can do a whole bunch of stuff, but firing them. Uh, because if they are not found guilty of a crime, they can sue to get their jobs back. That has happened at the city of Anaheim where I work. It's happened at LAPD. It's happened at LA County Sheriff's Office. That in the beginning, it looked really bad for the cop. And then in the end, some evidence or something came up where they were exonerated. And we've seen it, right? And now, because you made it this big thing that you said, it is murder. It is racist. And they killed this poor black guy um, needlessly, right? That's probably what happened. I'm just telling you that, that we've already gone there, this level. The problem is if we find out that it's not, if we find out that it's, that it's not, and they have to give any of those cops their jobs back, you're, you're, you're going to have a problem. 
because we we've, we've set the world up in that area, that community up for um, disappointment uh, beyond belief that's going to cause greater problems. So I hope all of that talk actually meant something. I just I I, I just struggle because I, I again, I've been a part of these things. I've seen them happen. I've had to pull cops off of suspects because they went too far. I've done it like two or three times that I can remember. I testify against law enforcement, which makes me hated by law enforcement. I'm hated by law enforcement all over the United States and Canada. You should hear what they write about me in Canada, about me uh, being a former police officer. It is, it is pretty bad stuff that they've written about me in the newspapers up there. Um, <laughs> uh, and so before everybody jumps on me and says, how can you say this as a racist? And I understand that I'm often on the side of the victims of, of, uh, police officers, uh, abuse, uh, of power, uh, both in, in regard to dogs and, um, use of force. So you need to know that. I think it's important that I look at these things from a, a point of view of a former police officer who's done the job and knows I know stuff and I know what needs to be looked at, that um, it's not always black and white. But when a cop does something wrong, I'm more than happy to point out that too. And will, if I see more evidence, again, when I said earlier before um, Amy put that information in there, I told you this isn't the first time this cop has done that. I told you that, right? Uh, it, it, because now uh, information is coming out. I don't know how true this is or where this came from, but I'm, I'm assuming Amy, um, you know, has good information there that I, I knew it. This isn't the first time. Um, it's always found out unless the officer has a year on, maybe six months on, uh, then it's harder to find something that he's done wrong in the past. It's harder because he hasn't done enough bad in order to get caught, right? You have to do five, you have to do it a lot. <laughs> in order to get caught. I, I, and I go back to, you know, uh, how many times you've run a red light or ran a, a stop sign or sped, you know, uh, above the speed limit or drove in the diamond lane when you didn't have more than one person in the car. We Everybody's done it. I'm no sure somebody out there has never done that, but you do it a lot until you get the, and then you finally get caught. Ah, dang. And so whenever that happens to me, I go, ah, uh, yeah, I've done it like 10 times. So I hope that makes sense. The, 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 uh, again, I just want to make sure this is clear before, because I, I know somebody's going to lose their stuff. Um, but is this the, the question is whether this is racist or not? We don't know. Is it murder? I doubt it. It's it's, it's I, I'm telling you, it's not going to come out murder. Now, these are some things I can be pretty confident about. It, it, I hear people say it's murder and it's racism. It's murder and it's racism. You have to think this through. Murder is that he went there with the intention of killing this man. He intended to kill this man. I don't see where he intended to kill this man. I've put some pretty gnarly holds. I've broken men's arms in the 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 uh, in the midst of arresting them because they were they were wrestling with me so hard and fighting me and trying to reach for my gun. Uh, one of my last calls, I went on Anaheim Hills. It was it was this guy sitting on a curb, and I said, "What are you doing in this neighborhood?" Uh, we got a few phone calls that you um, used to live here, but you've caused problems and that you've uh, burglarized some of these these uh, homes, and people are worried about you being here. And I just want to find out, have you, uh, you, does your family live here? What's going on? And right at that moment, he jumped up and attacked me and had my, his hand on my gun and we were fighting and I was all by myself. And I was in Anaheim Hills at the time where nobody really knew how to get around in Anaheim Hills because they had swirly curly streets and uh, nobody could find me. I was, I was, somebody actually called because I couldn't get to my radio. A neighbor, a person that lived there called and said, Hey, your officer is in a fight with this guy out in the front yard and he's, he's, it's top that we're on, they're on the ground fighting. And, um, 
in that fight, I snapped his arm, right? It's, I broke it. I, I twisted it so much that I felt it break underneath my hand. He still fought. <laughs> he was still fighting with his, with his arm. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't the arm that had the hand on the gun, right? The hand was still on the gun. Uh, and then I tried to use that arm that was broken as, as pain compliance to get him to stop. And this fight went on for a very long. I'm sweating thinking about the, the fight because I was soaking wet from sweat uh, trying to get that guy to stop. It was a white guy, thank God, right? Uh, I eventually was able to get around and get on top of him and, uh, and get in and shoving my elbow into his neck against the pavement as hard as I possibly could to where he couldn't breathe. Same kind of thing for a very long period of time because I was by myself waiting for somebody to get there. Uh, I was lucky the guy didn't die, but I thought I was going to die. And so do you see how some of the things, if somebody would have snapped the video at the moment that I had broken his arm, which the bone now was broken through and now there was some blood and my elbow was in the side of his neck, pinning him down to the ground because I was exhausted. Um, somebody took a video at that point where he was going, I can't, you know, and he's like grunting and groaning. He was on meth. Um, and, uh, and you take a picture of that moment or you take a video of that moment and you just see that it can look really bad but you don't know that he had his hand on my gun and I couldn't get it off. I had to break his arm, his other arm uh, to get him at least to start to let go, lose his grip on my gun and then use that arm as a pain compliance that was broken until the bone stuck out of the skin. That's, that's what I talked about earlier when police work isn't pretty, that if you take a video of that, it looks really bad, but I thought I was going to die on that day. I had a six-year-old daughter at the time. It was father's day. Uh, I'll never forget. It. it was in the middle of the day. I was working on father's day with a six-year-old daughter going through a divorce and this guy attacked me. It was a really bad day to attack me. <laughs> I was really angry. And so do you see that, that, that point there that that police work is not pretty. You get a videotape of some of the stuff. And uh, although you might like to see it on movies uh, and television shows, you may not like some of the stuff that has to be done in order to arrest somebody. The way that we have to talk to people, uh, our language that we use when we talk to people can be very, very offensive. Uh, but that's how, certain people in that 1% of our society, that's the only way they talk. That's the only way that you can communicate with them. Because if you go to them and say, hi, my name's officer Johnny. And you know, I just want to know why you're robbing this place with a gun. It's not, this is, this is not good. And I think I might have to take it. Right. You go there talking like that. It's not going to go well, right? You have to come at them with a play with a way that's going to show them that you understand them and that they need to not fight or else they're going to die. So I'm going to F and kill you. If you move, you are going to F and die right in these words that we use. And this, this I'm kind of being nice. You should actually hear what we have to say sometimes uh, to get somebody to comply. Right. We're, we're not going to say, please, sir, uh, can you please drop the gun uh, so that I won't harm you? I will try to shoot for your right hand. <laughs> no, no, you have to kind of get to the point. And so there's some aspects of law enforcement that aren't pretty. Um, uh, and so uh, these things can be very difficult and, and, and not easy. So one more time, just to make sure that, uh, cause I know people jump on at the last minute, uh, was George Floyd murdered by a racist cop? Uh, I don't, I don't know. He was not murdered. Uh, I, I, I'd be so shocked and surprised. They may try to press in California, be 187, what in 87 PC is very specific. And there has to be the intent to kill somebody it has to be there for that to be a murder. Everything else is manslaughter that it happens by accident while committing a, you know, uh, 
you know, something under color of authority, right? If you're, if you're, uh, you know, if you're injuring somebody um, under color, color of authority um, and they die, then there's going to be a manslaughter charge that will follow it. But that murder is, again, it gets repeated over again. He's murdered him. He murdered him. He, nah, yeah, I, I doubt very much they're going to be able to prove murder. And was it racist? I don't know. It was a white guy and a black guy. That that I do know, but was it racist? Is this man racist? I, in another post, just really quick, one last thing. I know I've almost jumped off a couple times here, but um, uh, you you really have to get to know who the cop was. You know what we may find out, and I doubt I doubt it, but it's possible that we can find out that. Uh, and I wrote in this post that he could have been like a big brother at the YMCA in the very area that he's working. Right, he could be in charge of the youth group for teaching them how to do some type of sport, karate. We do that in, in the city of Anaheim. Uh, a friend of mine, Chuck Knight, uh, you know, and I did Disney goals. I, I went to the Hispanic areas. I taught uh, Hispanic children how to play hockey. The only thing they had to do in return is do their schoolwork. And then I would take them to the ice rink and I would teach them how to play hockey, uh, right? And then people are calling me racist, right? That, that doesn't make, that doesn't compute. Uh, and the same thing, it is possible. I'm not saying it, it is. It is possible that we can find out that this man, this cop who who, who was had, had a part in in uh, in, in probably killed this uh, uh, George uh, Floyd, that he was a big brother in a YMCA at, in the in the black neighborhood that he was working. It's possible that you know a whole bunch of things that he's a uh, you know a very strong religious man who has other interests that uh, he's done all he can to help. Uh, people in this in this area and, and, and has done everything. It would be very difficult to then say that it's racist because he hasn't doesn't have the propensity to believe that he right that his race is superior over the other race. You can do those things, but you know, and still be racist. I'm not saying that you can't be, but I'm just saying it's going to be much harder to prove if that's who this man is. All right. So uh, I I know that this talk right here with uh, us, maybe just helping us the little circle here that we're talking, uh, it will never probably make its way over to Minneapolis and stop the writing. Uh, I, that's not my agenda here. I, it's just impossible. But I'm just telling you that uh, we need to be careful about how often we're calling things racist and uh, the things that we're doing, because it may come back to bite them uh, really bad. Uh, again, especially if these guys are exonerated. And now they have to give them their jobs back. That's going to be, it's going to be worse. It's going to be worse than what it is now. All right. So I hope this was helpful. Again, I'm not going to play my outro music. Hey, April, nice for you to show. Um, uh, I heard it on the news, so it must be accurate. <laughs> right. Right. And thank you, Eric, for joining. And I, and I, I was, I've been meaning to message you, Eric, a couple times. I saw designer has some really cool stuff. I saw Paul. Uh, talking about some of the new features there in uh, in designer. It's time to do another show. All right. So uh, there you go. There is my show in my opinion. This is not okay. Don't ever think that anything I said leading up to the end there that I said it's okay. That's not what I said. This is not okay. Uh, but uh, we have uh, we have to learn more. All right. That's it. I'll talk to you later. Thank you all for watching and putting up with my uh, with my narrative on this uh, particular situation. All right. Take care. Talk to you later. Bye. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Nerds. Have new money goals? Turn to the experts at NerdWallet. Want to support your daughter's soccer career? 
With a new backyard big enough to kick in, we can help you find that new mortgage. Or need a credit card that turns your new console into cashback rewards? We've got you. Whatever your money goals, our nerds compare hundreds of the top mortgage lenders, credit cards, and more. So you can easily find the best for you. For all your money questions, turn to the nerds at nerdwallet.com. NMLS 1617539.